Welcome to the New Life Church Podcast, where we dive deep into the timeless truths of the Bible. My name is Jake, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be your host. In each of these episodes, we'll unpack the richness of the scriptures, exploring how its teachings can bring new life and meaning to our everyday existence. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, and uplifted as we navigate the profound wisdom of the Bible together. This is a place where faith meets daily life. This is New Life Church. I want to preach just for the next few minutes. This is a little bit of an addendum. And I want to talk about open treasures. I want to talk about these uh, these three wise men from the east. These men who saw the star, the word of God says they saw it in the sky. They didn't really understand exactly what they were going to, but they knew what direction to go. And sometimes that's how it is for us. We don't exactly know what the end game is, but we know who to follow. We know what direction that we ought to take. And these magi, these magicians, we'll read in the Word of God, Matthew 2, 7 through 11. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they fell down and worshiped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Amen. We we call them the wise men, right? In kind of almost folklore, the three kings of Orient, right? That's that's the terminology you've heard from the song and different things. These wise men, there's actually, if you kind of get into the Greek, you get the word magi. And magi is weird because it is the same word, same root word as magician. These are three magicians um, that have seen this. So they're not exactly from the Old Testament stock. They're not prophets. They're not anointed men of God. They're not even Jewish people. They are pagans. You know, they're pagan magicians who have seen this star in the east and have gone to worship him. These men were from false and pagan backgrounds, but they were searching for truth. And when they saw the star, they pursued the light they did have. That's a very important distinction. Whenever we pursue the light that we do have, God and his Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And that's an interesting uh, thing to think about because not everybody is given the same opportunities, right? There are some people in far off distant places where, you know, the fullness of the gospel, they've not been reached to the level and to the degree that we are. But I am confident that the Lord of all creation will do right and that he draws men to follow the light that he does have. And then he will draw them and bring them into truth. This is what has happened here. God will guide all men to himself, but it is up to all men to follow the light they've been given. So there are three gifts that I want to talk about that Christ was given by these magi, by the wise men. Gold. A little extra cash might come in handy right about now. Somebody said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Right. A little little, little cash around Christmas time. It wouldn't hurt. It'd go a long way. And so as I picture, you know, Mary, obviously, being the pragmatist that she kind of was, that would be a good gift. But gold has biblical and even prophetic meaning in this story as well. Gold is the element, and it's kind of a signet of kingship, 
of royalty. And so whenever we see these men who are bringing, they, they, you know, I, I don't know how they kind of got to the point where they knew what to bring or who they were even pursuing because all they have is a star, but somebody had the understanding or the, the spiritual impetus or the leading to, to bring gold. And you know, of all things to bring, it is, the, it is the kingship material. And it was a beautiful prophetic picture because it wasn't just a baby that was laying there. It was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Somebody say, amen. God is worthy. Jesus was worthy. He was a king lying in a manger when he was born. And that was not lost on the inspiration that God gave to bring this gold, this gift. There's frankincense. Frankincense is in the Bible, several different places, um, but it's very importantly in the Bible, in the Old Testament, around the temple as a holy and sanctifying oil right? It has a purpose. Frankincense is something um, that is used for worship. So there's, there's just, there's a hint of deity, of godness in this gift. So the first one, he brings it and it's something you give a king. The next one is something that's used in the ointments that are used in the very temple, the tabernacle of God, without even knowing or understanding fully what he is doing. He is bringing those two worlds together and says, we're seeking more than just man. We're seeking more than just a king. We didn't come here to just glorify a man. We came here to worship a king, yes, but also God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we see that in the second gift, frankincense. So I want to give you something very simple. Not everybody's treasure looks the same. And as I think about what I have to bring the king tonight, I pray that you will take just a few minutes with me and think about what you have to give the king. First of all, I want you to understand that not everyone's treasure is the same. Again, I always have to bring things down to just like a very meat and potatoes type of version of the story. But how many of you understand that there are gifts that are better than other ones? Yes. Amen. Right. And whenever we open gifts, sometimes you go around the room and you're like, you're hoping that your gift is really is, you know, is nice and it's an awkward exchange, like if maybe you, you and your spouse together and then you get them a pair of socks and then they spend like you know, all this crazy, and then you're like, oh, right, that, is that like, could you ever feel awkward? You're like, oh man, oh, you know, I, I didn't know we were doing this. I thought we were gonna abide by the, you know, the thing. Now I feel like a heel a little bit because I was gonna, I, I would have brought something crazy, but I thought we were doing something different. And now I feel goofy because like you just brought the whole kitchen sink, everything in the world. Um, <laughs> Unequal gift exchanges are awkward and difficult to navigate. But I guarantee you, whenever the wise men are opening their gifts, because the Bible actually says um, that when they got there, they opened the bag. They opened them up. So in my mind, my understanding is maybe they didn't know what each other had brought. I wouldn't think that they would. Why would you? You know, it's a, it's a long road and there are thieves and caravan raiders and all these things. And, and, and you would keep something like perfume or gold wrapped up or kept it like you wouldn't just have it out in your hands. Like, so they probably didn't know who had what gift and what people were bringing until it got opened in front of God. And then the first guy brings out gold and everyone's like, oh no. <laughs> like the myrrh and frankincense guys are like, mm, mm. Now, this is weird. I thought we were all doing, I thought we were all doing perfumes. <laughs> and then the gold guy <laughs> broke the rule. Because, <laughs> I mean, he, he can go buy all the perfume he wants or he can do anything else. The gold's just a way better gift. So he's the number, number two guy's like, 
well, here's this. And then the myrrh guy is actually last, and it's the worst gift when you find out what it's for. The other thing is I guarantee you, Mary is such a smart person. Like you can read the word and you see that Mary has, uh, she says, be it to me according to thy word, O Lord. She has a bunch of interactions that just make you think she's just very with it. And so women have looks. Women give looks, give the gift of looks. And a lot of times you can't tell what maybe somebody's thinking, but in a moment like that, I guarantee you they're watching Mary's face as they open the gifts. They're refugees at this point. She sees the gold. She's like, thank God. You know, we could sure use that, couldn't we, Joseph? And then the next one gets open. She's like, oh, hmm. And then the next one gets open. And so you could tell which gift was probably the most valuable at face value. Gold, maybe. I, that's what I would think. It's the flashiest and usually the most sought after gift. But the myrrh is for anointing dead people. It is used a lot of times for embalming. Uh, would be one of the common uses. It's for somebody to prepare for death. And so this guy's thinking, oh, I'm the worst gift giver in the world. Why did I pick myrrh? I'm rethinking my gift. It's not that good. I should have done gold. I knew I should have done gold. Silver, something. You know, like I brought dead people stuff to the baby. So I think that guy was probably feeling awkward or feeling like maybe, like, why did I just, why did I do this? Not everyone's treasure is the same. But he got a deeper touch from the Holy Spirit than anybody because everybody will bring gold to the baby or something or even even maybe understand that he's God. But to have the impetus, to have the understanding that he is the lamb that is going to be slain and that we're already looking past the cradle. We're looking past the manger and we're looking to the cross because the myrrh was important. But he didn't understand that, I bet, at the moment. There's no way, right? He's a Gentile. And even the Jews didn't understand. And so his gift seemed like it was awkward and, and it didn't have a place to plug in to the kingdom. It didn't seem like that maybe it had a, a discernible purpose or any real value. So here he is, the odd man out, maybe standing there with his gift that doesn't seem like it's worth a lot to Jesus. And you'd be, and you'd be doing this for long enough as a preacher, or as a pastor, or as a church guy, and you see people standing awkwardly off to the side with what they think is not much of a gift. And one of the great frustrations of ministry is that you just can't shake people and say, God has a purpose for your gift. God has an anointing you don't understand. I know you're weird, but you're weird in the best way, maybe in the right time, because God's going to bring forth something out of you that you can't see, that you can't understand, but it may be the most vital, the most intimate, the most purposeful gift in the room, and you think it's trash. Oh, it's the weirdest tension in ministry. And no matter how much I talk and think about this, I can't get people to understand or believe it. And even if I can do that, I can't get them to act on it. <sighs> I'm not joking. I have seen him put it back in the bag. I've seen him put one of the most beautiful and most important time-sensitive gifts back in the bag and then back out of the room or at least out of the moment and say, gold, frankincense, like, you don't need this. There's no purpose for my gift. There's no, there's no place to plug in what I am because what I am, it's not, it's not like everybody else and it's not flashy. It's not so face valuable. 
And so they put their beautiful, wonderful, anointed, purposeful, vital to the body gift back in the bag. The meaning of myrrh was to prepare for death and to consecrate the body. Number two, not everyone's treasure is visible or quantifiable. There was a, there was a young boy many, many years ago um, in Italy at a time where um, music was everything. To be able to sing in an operatic voice, to be able to compose, to be able to, uh, to play was just everything. And so he tried out for the Pomona Boys Choir in Italy. And, uh, and they said that he had one of the most pitchy, squeaky voices. They couldn't wait to get him out. And they rejected him from the boys' choir. Well, he went on to try other things. Tried to play the piano some. That didn't go very well. To play the violin. Oh, that was even worse. This guy had no talent. The only thing he was good at was destroying stuff. After being rejected time and time and time again from everything, um, he just piddled around with woodworking and started to do carvings. And, and he was better at tearing stuff up and just like cutting you know, things up. And then that's what he, he did. And then he became apprenticed to another type of carpenter. And some of you, this will click as soon as I say his name, Antonio Stradivarius. Now, for most of you who understand who Stradivarius was or is, you'll know that there is one violin which gives the most beautiful, hauntingly melodic sounds that it just can't be replicated. He made over 1,500 of them. Far fewer exist today, and there's not one, no matter the condition, that is worth less than $100,000. Some of them many times more. The first chair violin at any reputable orchestra will play a Stradivarius. And that young man, the one with the gift, the one who didn't make the choir because he didn't have the voice, he couldn't play the instrument like some of the others because he didn't have the gifting. He found a way by embracing what he was good at, what his real gift was, to give the world a sound it never heard before. It's powerful. Not everybody's treasure is visible or quantifiable. Let me tell you this, if you feed on men's applause, you will starve to death in their silence. The scripture says that they only opened their gifts at the time of reaching Jesus. And that might've been even three years after the shepherds have celebrated and the angels sang. That's a very late gift. Some of you have put off your gifting far too late. And you're gonna have to say those dreaded words Whenever it's time for them to get their gift, what are you going to say? It's on its way. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get you something. Or like, it didn't come on time. Or, you know, it, it's on the way. It's on the way. The gift, because gifts that don't get there on time, well, that's attention all in itself, right? That's a problem. It's not fun to be the one left without the gift or the gift at the wrong time. Does it feel perhaps that your gift is late in being presented to the world, to the church, or to you? Your gift is late in being presented or utilized. Let me give you a little bit of hope. Let me give you a little bit of encouragement. It may seem like, man, my, my, it, whatever gift I have, it's almost to the point now where God can't, like even if God gave me an opportunity, it'd be too late. And, and now everybody else's, and now it's too late for me to do something for God. It's too late for me to pull whatever it was that he had in me out of me and utilize according to his time. The song is already ended. 
The shepherds have already showed up and come and gone. The little drummer boy's drum solo has ended and they came, they sang glory to God in the highest, but my gift is so late that the song ended before it ever got opened. It can feel that way, can it? But the truth of the matter is this. If it's what God put in you and you're following after him with all purity, honesty, and sincerity, he will open it up. He will draw it out and he will utilize it in his good time and the presence needed. They came maybe three years later. He's not even a baby in a manger anymore, but now he's the young boy and the gold is going to help things a lot because you're conferring kingship on him for all time, everlasting in the word of God. And the guy who's bringing the frankincense, he is conferring deity, greatness, godliness on this little boy. He is declaring to the world, to the centuries, to all men that this is more than a king. This is more than a baby. This is more than a boy. This is more than just royalty. This is God incarnate. This is Emmanuel, God with us. I'm telling you that that meant something. He conferred deity and godhood on this boy. And then there was the last one, the guy who probably wanted to tuck it right back in the guy who was maybe double thinking his own gifting the, the myrrh guy right the last guy to open it up but what he is doing he is bringing forth the consecrating serum this powerful incense that is going to prepare and it's going to say this is more than man this is the christ this is the one who has been sent from on high and he will die on a sinner's cross and he will be raised again and he will ascend to heaven this is everything this is christmas and without the last gift, the passion's not complete. And without your gift, the church, the body, will not function under the anointing that it should and could. I don't care if it's a gift you think is not utilized or needed or is humble. If you don't allow what God's put in you to be manifest in the right season, the right time, with all humility and deference and servitude before the body, then we're missing something. You have a responsibility not to draw your own gift out, not to be utilized in yourself, but to present your gift before the master. And whenever it's his time, he'll draw it out and he'll use it. He didn't use the gift of myrrh until the very end. I would hazard the guess that that wise man was dead by the time his gift was ever used. 33 years is a long time to wait to see him open your gift, but he did. That's so good, isn't it? The way God works. Worship opens the bag. Before the presentation of the gifts of the wise men, they did these things. So I, and I read through the scripture. I said, what is that? What's the setting? What's the moment? How do these gifts get presented to God? Number one, they pursued Jesus. You want to see your gift be utilized, not in your time, but in his time? You want to present Jesus with what you ought to? Then listen up. I got you. They pursued Jesus more than anything or anyone else. They didn't care about entertaining a worldly king like Herod or pursuing wealth or favor of this world, they pursued Jesus. 
If you want God to bring out your gifting, you want to present him, not so other people will see and be impressed, but you want to give Jesus what he wants from you, then the number one thing you got to do is not worry about wealth or the trappings of earth or the or the favor of men or, or all those things, even the threats of King Herod. They didn't care about none of that. So give me Jesus. I got to get to where Jesus is. I got to focus on Jesus. I'm going to see Jesus. You want your gift to be brought out? Pursue Jesus. That's the first thing the word declares that, that, that the wise men do before God. They, they pursued Jesus. Number two, when they found him, they looked, they saw, and they were illuminated to the truth of who he was. Because you can be in the presence of something without opening your eyes and without being illuminated and without your mind being changed. You can't, I've seen it my whole life. I've seen people stand right in the presence of God in the presence of greatness, of holiness and truth and stand there and be unimpressed, unmoved and not even change a bit. So whenever you're presented with truth, what do we have to do? Allow them to change you. Allow them to change what you see and who you are. They fell down in humility. There are some things that you can only access from certain postures. Um, you, you, don't, you don't try to reach on top of the refrigerator um, laying flat on your back. You cannot reach Jesus standing up. Right now we can worship like that, but there's still a place. There's a reason we didn't take these altars out ever. Because when I met Jesus, come on somebody. When I met Jesus, I wasn't standing, I wasn't just jumping, I wasn't walking around, I wasn't posted up against the wall. I was on my knees at an altar of prayer and I met Jesus and he changed me and he walked into my life and he never walked out. And I've had ups and downs and downs and ups and real downs to where I didn't know if I was gonna get back up, but he never left me, never abandoned me. He helped me, he pulled me on through to the next place, but I met him on my knees. And I still know where to find them when life gets hard and when I'm dead broke and I'm discouraged and I'm down and I'm depressed and I'm happy and I'm joyful and I'm purposeful and I'm encouraged. And whenever I'm low and I feel like I'm a failure, I meet him the same place that I've always met him on my knees and I'm not just making it up. The word of God says there's coming a time when everybody's gonna have to meet him that way. Did you know that? Everybody, even the people never met him here because there is coming a season, there is coming a time when every tongue will confess and every knee will bow because he is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is the King of glory. And there are some things you can only achieve in certain postures. And I only ever met Jesus like that on bended knee. Come adore on bended knee. Christ the Lord. And the last thing that they did, they worshiped. Some of you forgot how to worship your way through a trial and it shows. <laughs> Amen. Some of you forgot how to worship your way out of a valley, right? There's some of us may have forgot that, that he's still worthy. Though the fig tree does not bud and though there are no herds in the stalls, still will I worship my Lord. Still, he is the king of kings. Worship opens the bag for a life-changing interaction with Jesus.
The Magi, though not from a traditional background, pursued Jesus with unwavering determination. They presented gifts, each holding deep significance. Gold, signifying kingship, frankincense, representing the child's deity, and myrrh, foreshadowing the sacrifice that would be made on the cross. Just as the Magi's gifts were opened in the fullness of time, your gift, no matter how humble or seemingly late, has a purpose in God's intricate plan. If you pursue Jesus and humble yourself in worship, it will result in a life-changing interaction with God. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the New Life Church Podcast. We are truly grateful for each and every one of our listeners, so thank you. For a full transcription of today's sermon and more resources, head over to our website at newlifechurchspringfield.com. I can't wait to dive into the next episode with you. Until then, stay connected, stay inspired, and God bless. See you next time.